Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second episode of Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs, a podcast hosted by me, Mark Blankenship, and my good friend and colleague, Sarah D. Bunting. Hello. And as you may have guessed by the title, Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is a place where Mark and Sarah use their endless font of enthusiasm for popular culture and popular music as an excuse to chat with one another. And I would also like to say that the reason you heard a different theme song this week than you did for episode one is because that is one of our fun little themes here at this podcast. We want to kick it off with a different musical style every week. And this new wave... Almost. Almost. Well, we're going to keep mixing it up as much as we can. But this new wave bit of deliciousness was delivered by David Gregory Byrne, and we thank him for that. And I feel like one thing that makes me think about new wave era music in the early 80s is crazy hair like you would see in flock of seagulls and i also think that crazy hair is something that connects us to our subject for today's podcast which is the song naked eye by luscious jackson and uh, i'll get to that hair in a moment but first since sarah brought the song to the table today i'll let her introduce it to you um but first a peek behind the mark and sarah talk about songs mast ass uh, curtain Um, which is that our process for selecting these songs so far has been that we each submitted a list to one another. We made a big giant list. I randomized it like 15 times online and then we just took the top five. Like whatever showed up, we just went with. Yeah. Which I think was like a month ago. We're not, we're not super organized folks in case you're listening to uh like oh what about the spinoff mark and sarah get organized i can't i can't speak for mark but sarah's gonna have to drop out of that sheet. anyway <laughs> but we did get ourselves washed and dressed today so yeah that. but i like i don't exactly i don't exactly remember why i put this song on our list <laughs> um i can tell you that going along with the apparent theme uh of like my birthday and these songs this one crawled into the Billboard Hot 100 on my birthday back in 97 when God was a child. Um, (laughs) This song seems like it just takes me back to the mid-90s in so many ways, like the mid to late 90s. Like, first of all, in the video, Max Perlick is someone. And I feel like Max Perlick had this literally everywhere moment. He was in like 78 movies in the course of three years. He was in several music videos. He was on Angel... And now I don't I don't know where he is. I hope he's doing very well and gets to play a lawyer on Law and Order and make his rent. Either that, or he's currently petitioning for a return of Lollapalooza. Uh, sure. Um, he should stop doing that, however, because that that has never worked out. Like reviving a dead music festival, I feel like is never a good call. <laughs> like, did you know that the Lilith Fair came back? I uh, did know that. Yeah. Does anybody else know that? Maybe not. I don't I don't think so. Yeah. Even even Lilith and Mr. Fair are like, wait, <laughs> what? But Naked Eye is like so perfectly of his time. It's beautifully shot. There's this like weird sort of like smuggling, maybe pimp storyline yeah. going on. Everyone's hair is flawless, I feel, like for the era. Um, and we talked a little bit about uh, like shallow sounding drums in the last episode, and this one is sort of like that, but uh, Kate Schellenbach is their drummer, and she is just amazing. Like The way this beat works, like if you're walking and listening to it in your earbuds, you cannot walk off this beat. You can't. Like If you're on a subway platform, you just got to turn the shit off, or you're just going to sail off the end and get hit by a train, which I wouldn't do. 
what I will do is play a little break from this, and then I'd like to hear from Mark about what he thinks. Wearing nothing is divine, make it easy, state of mind. I take things off to clear my head to say the things I haven't said. Live inside the elements, the earth and sky are my best friends. Water is the evidence that washes me from end to end. pop song like it it holds up it's well played uh the video doesn't do anything that's too embarrassing or that dates too horribly uh i think this might be their best known song even though this is off of fever in fever out which is my first experience with them but i think electric honey was the next one and it's a better album with better songs but there's just something about this song that brings me back to a time in my life where I was going out like four nights a week in the city and I was usually going to see shows and it was all bands like this and the Cranberries and the whatever Wilco was before it was Wilco. <laughs> like I had, you know, that boyfriend who was Sun like, Sunvolt me. Yeah. And I was like, whatever, man. Or the, um, not the hot 97s. I did this every time. The old 97s. <laughs> hot 97 is where Heavy D might have been playing. Yes. Um, much, much different sound. I would have enjoyed seeing him in a button down snap plaid shirt. Um, yeah. Like this is a, this song like really brings me back to like everything that was really fun. Like I didn't, I don't miss my 20s at all. I think I had a pretty good time. But on balance, it seemed like I didn't really... Like, I wasn't sort of enjoying my own life until I was, like, 30. And uh, that this brings me back to, like, all the best parts of being in my 20s in Manhattan, going to shows, um, wearing low-waisted jeans, and smelling like beer and menthols all the time. So... Similarly, of course, this song has some huge nostalgia points for me, but I, at the time that this song was popular, was just in that heady summer between uh, high school and college, working a shitty mall job. But my friend Aaron had the, the luscious Jackson blonde streak in the front of her hair. So did I. Oh, yes. And Actually, so... I kind of still have it, but anyway. <laughs> but um, we used to call Aaron Luscious Jackson because Jill Cunniff, who was the lead singer of Luscious Jackson, of course, when I was talking about hair earlier, I was referring to the fact that she had that like crazy blonde streak, and there's just something so rock star about that. Like, Not everybody can pull it off, but if you're in a good band and you have a good song, you can totally pull it off. And... I should... I have somewhere... We did get... Um... I was making a uh, public access show at the time, and like during my hosting breaks, you can see um, 
behind the massive Jackie O sunglasses that I was naturally always wearing because asshole, um, that I had that exact, like, varying lengths of the hair, but super white blonde in the front and then real dark in the back. Yep, yep. And I remember, too, I think, and Aaron will have to tweet us about this to let me know for sure, but I believe this was also when Aaron had a tongue ring. Oh, sure. So, you know, okay. she, and she was working a shitty job at a restaurant in the mall, but, you know, she was, like, cool. She was still, like, the cool one, you know? Oh, yeah. Totally. Um, but another thing that this song makes me think about and that I love is, in retrospect, how amazing the 90s were in terms of giving female rock musicians so many avenues to become successful. I am so glad you brought that up because it did... I was wondering if it was just me or if that time did feel like a, not maybe not a golden age, but like a silver age of girl groups. Well, listen, let me, just as we were listening to the clip, let me just read you the name of bands that I wrote down. Uh, L7, Veruca Salt, Elastica Republica, and then Abramore, Heather Nova. Like, those are all groups right. and women. And I think the Donnas around that time? The Donnas, Or were totally. they still too young? No, but it's like still in that sort of same basic Oh my basic god, whatever era. happened. Can you guys come over? Hey, yeah, Madonnas. Seriously. We, I Don't Care is like the best goddamn breakup song ever written. Well, you know, and, and we, we sort of make a joke, I think, now about Lilith Fair and how it's a certain type of thing. But it really also points to how many amazing women were just at the forefront of the musical conversation. And now, of course... Because rock music criticism is always really chauvinistic and blind, I think. All we ever think about or hear about from that period is Nirvana. And maybe occasionally someone will talk about Pearl Jam. And then they'll take time to, like, vomit on the legacy of... Or so-called legacy of Stone Temple Pilots. Fine. But there were all of these really... Oh, Liz Fair obviously was happening this time. And, like, there are all these women who were doing this... I mean, let me ask you something. How tall would you say Liz Fair is? In my imagination or in yeah, reality? like in your imagination. I feel like the person who writes the song Fucking Run is 6'5". Yeah. <laughs> she is so tiny. So very tiny. But she, but, but so, so large in my esteem. Oh my god, mine too. And I'm sure that if my friend Rachel is listening to this right now, that she's still furious about that moment that Liz Fair made the pop record. But I actually still like that song, oh, too. I love that entire album. Yeah. Why Can't I? Why I thought it was a great mm-hmm. single. And if you listen to the lyrics of Why Can't I, it sounds really poppy, but it's still a Liz Fair song because she's talking about fucking some, some guy who's married on the side. Yeah. She is the side piece in that song. Anyway. And in that other song where she's talking about being the cougar and playing video games all the time, she's still a little sad. And yeah. She's like, this is supposed to rule, so why doesn't it rule? Exactly. So I feel like that to me, you know, I feel like I can already hear the like chauvinist response to this argument that we're making, which is like, but none of these bands have any staying power and they just had one hit song. And I'm like, you know what? I don't care. Because if you're hit song... No bands have staying power anymore. Yeah, exactly. So, like two people are talking about them. And if your hit Something. song, if your hit song is as hot as Naked Eye, then good on you is what I can say. I also, um, if I may, I'd like to share some research that I dug up about Luscious Jackson. Please do. I didn't know any of this. Well, I didn't. I did actually know that they were named after a basketball player. Yes. Do you know what team he played on? No. No, me neither. Okay. That's sports. Whatever. Um, well, back the more. 
Well, named after a baseball player. That's true. We'll see, but baseball you would know. Yeah. Basketball we don't know. But I actually didn't know that. Oh well, there you go. <laughs> um, but they we're ignorant. Enjoy. Uh, apparently, the aforementioned drummer of this band, Kate Schellenbach, was in an early version of the Beastie Boys. Wow, really? Yeah, and I think that that must be why Luscious Jackson was distributed on the Beastie Boys vanity label at the beginning of their career. I feel like I remember vaguely reading in, like, not sassy, but, like, somewhere <laughs> that, like, cared about girl bands and didn't write about them like they were you know, an arm growing out of some dude's back. Right. That um, they were all friends. I think maybe some of them came up together. Right, okay. That, like, Yauk knew them. I right. don't, I'm not sure. But there's um, a Beastie Boys connection, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And interestingly, Kate Schellenbach has gone on to be a producer for the talk shows of James Corden, Ellen DeGeneres, and more. Wow, so that's amazing. She's managed to go ahead and diversify like a stock portfolio. That makes sense, though, because the drummer, like, I feel like the drummer is always sitting like at home plate. The drummer's like the catcher. We're back in sports, sorry. <laughs> Just sort of like sees the whole field and, to an extent, controls the whole field. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. So, yeah. So my question for you, Sarah. You know, you clearly knew about Luscious Jackson beyond this song. You've touched on that a little bit. And for those of us who maybe only know Naked Eye, and I will admit that's really the only Luscious Jackson song of theirs that I know, uh, Luscious Jackson song that I know, what would you tell us we need to listen to next if we're interested? Um, I would look up Electric Honey. Uh, I think that's a much, I think it's just produced better. And I think it's just the difference of a few years that you were sort of seeing this across the board in indie music, that a lot of it could sound a little like, you know, speaking of Liz Fair, could sound a little upstairs bedroom recorded like on someone's cassette deck, kind of cheap and like slight. And then their next album just sounds fuller in your ear. Uh, Let me just have a peek. I don't remember track names anymore. <laughs> this is like totally a casualty of like that you don't buy CDs and, or tapes and listen right. to the whole thing. Um, Sexy Hypnotist is a great song. Nervous Breakthrough, which is the first track, is a great song. Uh, once again, that's Electric Honey, and I thought that was a 2001 release, but it's actually 1999. Um, but it might as well have been 10 years later. Like right. there's something that happened between 96 and 2000 that like everything just started sounding way better and i'm not sure hmm maybe why it's that because is. i think it's auto-tune it's share believe who knows I, what oh my god that that's a theory i um, believe it before i forget let me just say a couple of other all-girl bands from this period or girl-fronted bands that i've never remembered letters from letters to cleo yeah from parks and rec now obviously too uh, the breeders i don't think i mentioned the breeders oh my god yeah but they obviously kicked ass belly you remember Belly? Oh my God! So take Feed the tree mark, up, boy. When you're talking to me, I mean that song was the shit. Oh, they had another song besides Feed the Tree. No, that's the that's Feed the Tree. Oh, I'm just okay. singing the like little. They also had a great song called Geppetto that only I liked, but whatever. I thought that I didn't know Belly was all women. I thought that was more um, like the Cranberries, where it's like they had the quirky sounding girl, then it was all bros. Well, yeah, but you know, I think if I'm like female fronted, and also. Uh, I think of Belly as really being female-led, even though there might have been men in that band. Like, Christian Hirsch, Kristen Hirsch, I think, and Tanya Donnelly, 
from throwing muses then made Belly. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure I'm getting some of this wrong, but I know that at least Tanya Donnelly was in throwing muses and yeah, then that's right. moved to Belly. You're right. So she was like the engine of that. Oh, and Hole. I, I wasn't even going to bring it up because that's like a whole master's thesis that's like... Yeah. There's a separate, like, entire podcast series of 10 to 15 episodes. To- Although both those albums, like the, the ones that everyone knows, both of them sounded like full range, like rock scream. Like it sounded recorded properly. Yes. Versus like the this album, um, Fever In, Fever Out, that, uh, that Naked Eye is from, just sounds a little like a little mono and tinny mm. sometimes, but it's still so good. And that kind of, like, post-noir, like, indie jazz thing Mm. wasn't necessarily my thing. Like, there could be some, uh, what the hell was the name of that um, band that we used to hear, like, in that crepes shop in San Francisco all the time? Not Morphine. That's a totally different thing. Why can't I think of it? The Eels. No. (laughs) The Strokes. That's too late. Too late. No, yeah, too late. Oh, my God. Morchiba. Ah. That kind of like, like quavering guitar. I mean, I actually love Morchiba and I still listen to that album, but sometimes that like, let's have an indie like beat and put a lot of like sort of jazzy stuff Mm. over it. It doesn't always work for me, but something about the way that um, Luscious Jackson does it did marry it successfully for me. Well, and another thing I think that is uh, that this song does well that I feel like a lot of pop songs try to achieve in this era was this the white people kind of rapping but kind of singing. It's like there's like a Sprechstimme quality to it where she's sort of talking on beat in a sort of tuneful way until she gets to the chorus. And I feel like that it could sometimes sound not great on songs. Well, I'm actually thinking of, uh, this is from 99, but like that group LFO with that song, uh, I like girls that wear Abercrombie and bitch summer girls. Like that is the the nadir of this sort of, I'm not quite rapping, but I'm a little bit rapping. But I feel like a song like this actually succeeds in making it work. And I feel like that was also a sort of alternative rock thing that was happening there for a while. Yeah, like rap core and that kind of thing. Well, but I'm also thinking, yeah, definitely like a limit. But I think this was like something that they didn't do all that often and this went to the content of the song. Yeah, That it yeah. was trying to do something with the form that had to do with the function. Oh, yeah, and I'm not saying that, I'm not suggesting that they were trying to be rappers, but I just feel Oh, like yeah, no, I don't. But that sort of trip-hop thing that you mentioned, too. We're gonna get a tweet that's like, actually, we were. <laughs> but I, I Bitches. Do, I just think there's something about this, like, sort of I'm sort of talking and I'm singing and I'm talking really fast, and there's just something about this period of music that makes me feel like this is very much of its time, but I think it's a very good example of that particular trend at that moment. I agree. And on that note, I think we will leave you for this episode. Uh, Next time, if you're looking forward to combing your own iTunes library to catch up with what we're doing, uh, we will be regarding Madonna's Get Together Mm. from Confessions on Dance Floor, right? Uh, Yes. Yes. Okay, phew. Uh, in the meantime, we would love to hear from you about your favorite songs. You can even record a little break for us and we can play it on the show and respond. You can send all that stuff to talkaboutsongs at gmail.com or just tweet a, it at us. Whew, I'm a professional. Uh, on Twitter at TalkSongs. And you can find me at Tomato Nation and my esteemed co-host. 
at I am Blankenship. And we would be remiss if we did not mention again that uh, our theme song is by David Gregory Byrne. Uh, our song today should be downloaded legally and enjoyed so that Luscious Jackson can get the... 41 um, cents or whatever. Yeah, well, 0.41 cents yes. to which they are entitled under iTunes Law. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.